Welcome to the 34 Circe Salon, Make Matriarchy Great Again, complete with our German and French language information in our song. I'm Sean Marlon Newcomb. Welcome. And as always, I am with Dawn Sam Alden. Welcome to our podcast. And we are very excited to be doing another episode of In Praise of the Goddess our series exploring goddesses uh, throughout time and geography. And uh, we have back with us today the fabulous L. Stephanie Tate, who you may remember uh, was our Norse pagan witch um, and spoke to us about her uh, her personal uh, spiritual beliefs. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, by the way, I'm going to get Norse pagan witch tattooed on my forehead. That is the most <laughs> perfect description of me ever. I was really concerned about how I would describe it. I was like, I wonder if she'll mind me calling this Norse pagan witch. But I just said, I'll roll the dice. Let's see what happens. <laughs> I love it. I'm owning it. It's mine now. <laughs> so when we last talked, you mentioned a deity that I thought was really fascinating. Dawn did as well. Uh, I want to make sure I pronounce her name. I keep saying Ron. Is Ron correct? Should I have any kind of accent on that? Or I mean, you can roll the R, but it's Ron. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and tell us about her. She seems so interesting. Uh, let's start off. We usually start off these broadcasts with what we call is what is the big idea? So what that really is, is just what's what's the main thing you'd like us to learn as we listen to you about this, about Ron? This is our big idea so what's the big idea (laughs) well i don't know that i can live up to the sound effect but uh (laughs) the big idea i think is that um it kind of ties into what i said before we we should be able to view female gods or goddesses or whatever you want to call them uh with a critical lens of their portrayal and that ron is much more interesting than what we've been told. Interesting. Okay, very good. It's interesting you say female god because I had some friends who would not say god. They would call them male goddesses. So, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm doing that now. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Have you, um, uh, total digression, but have you uh, found on the interwebs the man who has everything? No. No. Okay. Um, it's a it's an account on Twitter is where I found it, but um, but uh, they also have a Facebook account now, and I believe an Instagram. I'm not sure, but um, it's this wonderful uh, satire account where um, this uh, sort of nebbishy looking headshot, who you assume is the man who has it all. Um, he gives advice uh, for his fellow men <laughs> on, on things like, you know, um, you know, can you, 
is your skin pretty enough? You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> it's International Men's Day. Why don't you ask your wife to babysit so that you have free time to do the laundry? <laughs> it's just brilliant. You know, do you, would you trust a male doctor? That's <laughs> wonderful. So female, and he's, uh, the account sells shirts that say, scientist for women and male scientist for men like that. So, yeah, it's brilliant it's just brilliant so it's not about the lady lawyer as we've joked about exactly recently. exactly oh boy gentleman lawyer <laughs> it's like that terrible joke where it's like you know a father and son are in a car accident and they are they're taken into the er and the doctor is like, I can't perform on them. I'm right. their family. And they're like, why not? Because the doctor is a woman. A woman. Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> I've, I've, I've used that actually with classes when I've like tutored. I, you know, the, I've heard it when I first heard the story, it was a blind beggar has a son who died, but that man who died had no father. What's their relationship? And people would spend all day trying to figure out why, hmm, what could their relationship be? And I've done it with a surgeon and with a beggar. And it's like, it's his mother. <laughs> it's suddenly like, oh yeah, I guess there can be lady surgeons and beggars. So, <laughs> What a world we live in. What a world. Yeah, almost some possibilities. <laughs> So what what about Ran? Should we know what is what's one of the first things? Who is she? What pantheon is she part of? Let's get her background. Let's get her description, her bio. So she is the Norse god of the sea. Um, so she's a co-god essentially with uh, her husband Aesir. And uh, they are both um Yudin, so they're both giants. Uh, that's actually not the plural for giant, giants, and I can't remember what it is now. Um, but uh, they have, um, unlike other Yudin, they have a very good relationship with the Aesir. And, um, well, well let's, let's break it down, I think. Let's go yeah. through uh, for all. I like to call this inside baseball. So who are the giants, the Aesir, the Vanir? What's the whole deal with the Norse pantheon? How does that Nine work? Nine realms, what, all of it. Yeah. What's the giant? What is a giant besides the obvious? What, are those, what does it mean for the Norse? Well, they're just sort of a different, they're a different species. And the translation of them being a giant is actually kind of a misnomer because they're not bigger than anybody else. They're the same size as the Aesir, who are kind of the ruling class. Uh, in Asgard and uh, in Norse mythology. The ruling um, class of gods, the Aesir. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. And th I mean, that's the thing about the Norse culture or the Norse, uh, the Norse mythology is like, there's such a hierarchy. <laughs> it like permeates everything. But um, so there are three, can I say, jump in and say, there are three groups, Aesir, Vanir, Giants, would that be right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, but the Jodin were actually older than the Aesir. And mm -hmm. so there's a little bit of a rivalry in terms of um, power takeovers. So that is frequently why there's a lot of butting heads is because the Jodin were around first. It's almost like it's not exactly the same, but it's, I guess you could say, and I'm sure there's somebody who 
is like an expert in Norse mythology that is going to be sitting here tearing their skin off. But I would say that it's similar to like the Olympians versus uh, the Titans. I was thinking that. I was wondering, is that what it's like, except without the overthrow, they kind of sort of coexisted? Oh, yeah. somebody coming from England. Hold on. So that would be my doorbell. Yeah. <laughs> of course it is. No, no problem at all. I believe you have a package. <laughs> I'm so if, sorry. This is peel when needed. Um, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Charlie. Uh, for those listening, that was my Avengers reference, and God rest them, appeal our old mm. Diana. Oh, Diana Rigg. I know, so sad. Oh, and and not to forget, also um, uh, Honor Blackman. Both passed away within two months of each other. Honor Blackman Did was they? for Emma Peel, Diana Rigg. So anyway, back to this. As I was saying, so there. So we've got these three groups. They kind of coexist, unlike with the. Well, I guess. The Titans did still continue on, but they were really uh, kind of controlled by the Olympians. It sounds like the Giants have a little more autonomy. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the most part, yeah. I mean, there there tend to be some conflicts, but they do call on each other for help every once in a while. Like um, the uh, the Aesir called on one of the Giants to come and build a wall around Asgard, um, mm-hmm. and they were going to have Mexico pay for it. Uh, but that didn't happen. <laughs> they claimed Mexico was going to pay for it, but they wound up paying for it themselves. <laughs> yeah. Actually, nobody paid for it. It was yeah. very naughty. There was a whole thing with, like, Loki turning into a horse. It's like a thing. Um, but, now, yeah. So did they want that wall for a similar reason in the sense they were keeping out certain spirits or gods or demons? Because... Yeah, they were they were preparing for uh, Ragnarok, and Ragnarok is the battle between the giants and the Aesir that takes over the nine realms and brings about the Ice Age, essentially. Right. But they want the giants to build the wall. Yeah. See, this is the weird thing, right? This is the, <laughs> this is. <laughs> so we're gonna fight you, but if you'd be so, it'd be so great. If you could just build us a wall so that when we do fight you, you can't actually get in. So yeah. Just- well, I, th- I think it's complicated by the fact that, like, I'm not 100% sure that the giants know that the Ragnarok's going to happen the way that it does. Because the reason why Odin knows as much as he does is because he goes to the Well of Mimir and uh, sacrifices an eye so that he can figure out how to save Midgard and then see what's going on with um, with Ragnarok. And, uh, and so I think they're just not privy to the knowledge, shall we say, (laughs) that like, I mean, they, they know that there's always conflict. There's always issues. There's also a time where Thor and Loki go to the giants because Thor's like, I feel like fighting somebody. And Loki's like, let's go to the giants. I hear they were talking smack. And, uh, and they wind up like tricking Thor out of Mjolnir and uh, he's like oh that was a bummer and Loki's like you do understand that like everything they did was a trick and he's like those jerks and then went back and like proceeded to beat the shit out of everybody <laughs> in Jotunheim <laughs> oh my god so now okay so we've got the Aesir and the, and the Giants and the Vanir who are the Vanir by the way too the Vanir are essentially like another there's really no I'm trying to think of like 
the Roman or Greek equivalents. And there's, I guess, like, the, I mean, sorry. it sounds, no, I'm sorry. I'm just thinking, I'm wondering if, if well, because, you well, know, the Titans are earlier and you've got the other, sorry, yeah, go ahead. Beautiful, um, uh, uh, Encyclopedia Britannica says that they are a race of gods that are responsible for wealth, fertility, and commerce as opposed to the warlike Aesir. So they're, yes. they're gods, but they're sort of gods of, a, of, of um, certain areas. Certain areas. Exactly. Yeah. I, it's domestic areas almost, it sounds like. I frequently Maybe the describe are elemental, you know, the primary primordial areas. Could that I be mean, it? Uh, a, a little bit. There is a little bit of a crossover. I kind of liken them, again, someone's going to tear their skin off and I apologize, but I kind of liken them to nymphs or, oh, or someone yeah. of that quality because they, they tend to be things that's like, um, or they're very similar to like Vesta, you know, Vesta is all about hearth and home and stuff like that. Uh, so it's the way it was described to me when I started learning about it when I was a kid is they're the ones who are in charge of sort of the the more everyday life aspect of my guardians, the more like mm-hmm. in, in the beautiful things, they make the things beautiful and that, you know, that can be encompassing of a lot of things, depending on your definition of beautiful. You may think the money is beautiful. You may think that like, you know, the fields and the flowers are beautiful. Um, you know, Freya herself was in charge of like, you know, a lot of home things and love and also like, you know, beating the shit out of people. And so there's kind of like, there's kind of a crossover. I don't know. Is Freya in the Aesir or the Vanir? She's a Vanir. That's what I thought. Okay. So Freya is the Vanir. So, okay. So, so let's go back to Ron and the, uh, as we would say on the, uh, in the keeping of this show, the lady giants. Uh, (laughs) Let's talk about lady giants today. So what, (laughs) What is what is Ran all about? What is her um, what is her deal? So you're saying she is uh, goddess of the sea, and she has a male goddess consort. I'm going to just use that phrase. And yeah, run uh, it a, a male Yudin, if you will, a male giant. There you go. There you go. A male giantess. Right. <laughs> a male giantess. I love uh, this. I'm doing this for the rest of my life. <laughs> Okay, so she has a male giantess, and and her her realm is what she's the sea, I, I believe, correct? I the ocean, yeah. So, um, from what I've been able to tell throughout the years, like she appears in a lot of different texts, including the Edda. Um, when we hear about her, it's frequently like around grief. So, someone who has drowned, you know, terrible waters. You know, they attribute that also to her and Aegir's uh, daughters, who are the Nine Waves. Um, and Aegir, you often hear about him feasting with uh, Aesir and, like, hanging out and just, like, you know, being the cool dad, right? Like, Aegir gets all the good stuff with the ocean and Ron gets all the bad, hmm. which is bunk. <laughs> right, right. So that's that's her main thing. She's the one who drowns everybody. Uh, she has... Oh, of a, course. Of course. <laughs> uh, so the story goes that she has this net and she will um, drown uh, male sail- sailors. 
sailorettes. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what the feminine of sailor would be other than sailor. Uh, so she'll drown. <laughs> <laughs> she'll drown male sailors uh, because she wants to drag them down and try to satiate her insatiable sexual desires, which is, oh. yeah. Mm. So girls trying to constantly scratch that itch that can't. So she just keeps trying. Oh <laughs> my God. Yeah. There's okay. Let's stop right there and unpack that. <laughs> so, She's she's pulling dudes down under the ocean so totally. she can get yah yas. Oh yeah. Uh, what what is the what are the myths surrounding that? What are the beliefs around? So this is of course obviously a negative thing for the fisher people of that era. So mm-hmm. you know they don't want to be pulled down, uh, even though it might be enjoyable once they get there. So how did that come about? That's actually a really good question because you know. Obviously, like a lot of God worshiping and and so forth, all has to do with attributing human characteristics to natural phenomena, right? Right. And there's something really interesting about how, you know, as we were talking about in the episode I was on before, how for me, I was always taught that the sacred feminine, that, that was the warrior energy, right? Yeah, the, really, I've, been, I've thought about that ever since we talked about that. That's yeah. an amazing image. And I agree. I have the same sense that you have on that. Yeah. And so, you know, with the masculine being the nurturer, the feminine being the warrior, it's interesting that you do actually see that in the personification of something like water. So as I said before, in the Norse culture, you have that universal balance of the masculine and feminine with everything. And, um, and so with the ocean, you know, the thing that gives them life and gives them food and, you know, allows them to travel and allows them to, you know, exist. Yeah. And so, you know, they have their two gods and the one who is super jolly and lovely and parties with the other gods and they have this like huge realm and they frequently hold these giant feasts. They have this like huge hall with this like feast area. Um, so that, the that's the male, right? That's Asia. And then the violent, the terrifying the more warrior like uh qualities um that are more frightening to people is the feminine and so that that to me like and that may be why i resonate with ron so much um one because i'm terrified of underwater but two because there's something interesting about the nurture being the male when it comes to the water and the warrior and the violent and the uncontrollable is the female. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting, I mean, the sea and a lot of the dangers of the sea, certainly in the Greco Roman pantheon, they're associated with women, but in a different way, mm-hmm. you know, there is a real nurturing beside he's sort of the, in, in the very typically Greek fashion. He's just this all powerful, great God of the ocean. Uh, or male goddess, as we've been saying. Yeah, but, uh, super broy <laughs> too. Poseidon is yeah. like such a bro. Yeah, exactly. So whereas with Ron, you have this whole different thing. So what? So you've got this kind of like violent ocean goddess. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
she drags men down. There is that fearfulness. There was something you had mentioned about how who she was or, or her attributes had seemed to have been changed over time. I mean, this is just my personal thing in reading in reading any sort of text around her, because when we hear about her, it's somebody saying, oh, I lost my brother to Ron, you know, or, you know, the ship was claimed by Ron in her realm. And um, it just, it seemed to me, it almost felt like when you, when you compared Aegir and how the rest of the gods reacted to him versus Ron, because Ron was like so cut out of society. They were just like this bitch. And like, didn't include her in things. Like, you, mentioned, you mentioned that even her husband didn't invite her to parties. Yeah, yeah, completely left her out. And so reading that, and again, it's like projecting and it's everything else. But to me, it read like such an abusive relationship yeah. where, you know, you you assign roles to somebody and then they fulfill that role. And then you look down on them because they have fulfilled that role. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, men sexualizing women and then women play the game and then they're like, oh, you're a slut. You know, it, it yeah, felt yeah. just the way in which they talked about her, you know, it just it just felt wrong. It just felt mm -hmm. abusive. It just felt like patriarchal. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, because the, the, the sea you know, you can talk about the sea being insatiable because it is so vast and so powerful that, you know, it doesn't matter how many people drown in the sea, the sea is still willing to take more. So, mm -hmm. you know, if you're going to personify that, then, yeah, it's interesting that they choose to make it a woman and they make it about sex. But, yes, you know, again, there is a that that power of life and death mm -hmm. and we talked about we talked about this last time that women stand on the threshold yeah between life and death and so mm -hmm. you know it, it's that that power to take a life is a female power yeah um in a you know in a real primordial sort of way so. absolutely yeah and i think the thing that also really drew me to ron is uh so I got into comic books at a very young age. Um, mm -hmm. I think it was around five. And Thor is actually how I got into it. <laughs> of course. I was like, there's a Thor. Um, and when I was about eight years old, I discovered the character Amora, the Enchantress. And since I was eight, um, so now for 30, 31 years, um, she has been my favorite comic book character. And I felt that there were a lot of similarities between Amora the Enchantress and Ron, even though uh, Amora had nothing to do with the sea. She had nothing to do with anything, but she was a woman who had a lot of power and that scared a lot of the men, uh, you know, who were around her and who were in control and in power. And yet they would ask her to help them when it suited them and then when it when it didn't and she used her power for something else they cast her out and then she you know was naughty because you know 
well, we could unpack Amora the Enchantress for like a whole other thing, but yeah. <laughs> it like, it reminded me of Ron because, you know, yeah. we're always hearing about, oh, she's dragging men down with her net and she's killing all of our family. But then, you know, in the, the ACR have nothing to do with her. They're like, whatever, Asia, your wife's nuts. She's a hysterical female. And he's like, I know I'm long suffering, but, but <laughs> <laughs> at one point, they needed to capture a dwarf. So they sent Loki to do it. And what did Loki do? He went to Ron and said, can I borrow your net? I need to capture this dude for us. And she's like, yeah, sure. Here's my net. So they go to her when they need something. But boy, do they exclude her. God, it sounds like Durga as well. Yes. Indian myth that, you know, the, the gods couldn't, defeat the buffalo demons so they Mm -hmm. created durga as you know the most uh, unstoppable warrior ever she defeats the buffalo demon and they're like okay so um why don't you go over there (laughs) (laughs) yeah now what do you do with her right she did your thing but you know it's such a weird mindset. Like I'm, I'm listening to you guys, and I'm like, I just, I mean, I honestly don't get it. What the, what the, the mindset is behind? Like, okay, we have this kind of like powerful goddess. Uh, whether you know she has this, the, the strength to take things away that we want her to do, uh, stop things, overwhelm things, and then now let's put her aside. Like, why? I just wonder what in the, the the mindset of a culture makes you have this kind of powerful woman and then put her aside. And of course we can start digging and saying, well, obviously it was probably that she was already there. And then once these guys get to the Pantheon, it's like, okay, yeah, she's here already. Everybody's kind of been into her for a few centuries. Yeah. Or millennia, got- as yeah. Or millennia. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> It's yeah. but it's but it comes off to me so bizarre. It's like just it is. It's like okay, well, you know, can I borrow your net? Thanks, thanks, sweetie. I got your net. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Uh, good seeing you. Can I come to the party next week? Uh, I'll let you know. So- yeah, I'll text you. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, what's interesting is how how intrinsic to the portrayal of Ron all of this like insatiable sexual desire and like sort of naughtiness. It like, there's this wonderful TV show. I love it. I love my teen soaps. I love CW. And so when, when Netflix came out with um, Netflix came out with this uh, Norwegian teen soap opera called Ragnarok. uh, Oh oh, yes. Oh yes. This is kind of bizarre. All right. Oh my. And Everyone in Norway hated it, but everyone around the world is like, give me more. So they have a second season coming. I I could not be happier. So the story is about this young man, Magnus, who is the reincarnation of Thor. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. And he, his mom, and his brother, who is the reincarnation of Loki, move back to their hometown of Edda. And, oh, yeah, oh, it gets even better. And uh, the town is essentially run by this one family who owns the big corporation. 
the Yutens. And one of the Yutens is Ran. Oh my god! <laughs> and Oh, yeah. And Ron is the principal of the high school. And I will warn you, there's a scene where they're at a school dance and Loki puts on some music and it, like, makes Loki and then two, the two Yoren quote-unquote kids uh, go into, like, a weird ecstatic, kind uh, of, like, an ecstatic phase. And yeah. uh, during the scene, Ron is having an orgy with a bunch of high school boys. Oh my. Oh yeah. Um wow, that's crazy. Okay. So yeah. we, we'll have to we'll have to look that show up and see what the deal is. What's you have to look there? it up. You have to look it up. Especially like first portrayal of Ron. And like it's really again watching it, I was like, no, no way. They are not. And they did. Like wow. the whole time they she was like this twisted, dark, evil, conniving. And yet, I mean, the thing is, I'll say this. She was really amazing to watch. That actress was perfect. Nice. But there there was one moment where, not to give spoilers, but uh, they give uh, Thor, essentially. He doesn't know who he is, even though Avolven has, like, given him a bit of the, the vision and has, like, uh, unlocked his abilities. And by the way, I love that Volven is essentially, like, Volva, even though they came from different places. But that's another thing to unpack for a later time. Oh <laughs> a seer and a female body part? Mm, I don't know. Let's let's think about that one. Uh, so, um, oh, that's the other thing is, like, some have said that Ron is a Vulvan. Um, but, I mean, I think there was only, I can't remember what source that was. I think there was only one, I think there was one poem that mentioned that she was a Vulvan. Um, but yeah. Still, so that's, like, that's interesting, though. Still, it has, because I saw, I, I heard the name of that goddess on a, an archaeology TV series with Megan Fox. Yeah, the Transformers woman. Yes, yeah, she yeah, is yeah. a big archaeology fan. Yeah, yeah she and, is. And she did a great TV series on the Viking warrior women. So mm. she went up to, she went to Scandinavia and she looked into the history of Viking warrior women and she talked about the Norse mythology and the Norse feminine. And mm. that was brought up. So oh it's, my gosh. yeah, I'll, I'll, it's, you've told me about Ragnarok. I'll have to give you a uh, point you to that episode because I think you'll like it. Yes, please. Oh. So speaking of, um, modern portrayals of Ron. Uh, you have one of your own, yes? <laughs> I do, for all my sins. <laughs> transition right there. <laughs> well done, well done. <laughs> I'm very impressed. <laughs> Super smooth. I hope that I hope that as you did that, you put on sunglasses. Absolutely, absolutely. Like slowly and then looked around. <laughs> Very slowly, yeah. Um, so yeah, so I have this book. It's 15 original fairy tales uh, that I wrote. Um, and they're based on different traditions around the world. And one of those I decided I was going to essentially write my own epic poem. Um, because I love that stuff so much. Like give me an Icelandic saga any day of the week. I think it's a great idea, by the way. I I am of a similar mindset when I write. So I, I truly love that idea. It's just fun. It's just so yeah. much fun. And it's not even necessarily in the structure of 
an epic poem. So anybody who's read it will be like, mm, I don't know about an epic poem. But the <laughs> the idea was essentially to write um, write a genealogical history. And because, you know, that's the thing about that cracks me up about Beowulf is you'll be reading it and they'll be like, action, action, action. And then a messenger will come in and be like, so-and-so needs your help. Here is their entire familial history. And it's like hundreds of pages. And you're like, dude, I thought that this was urgent. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I mean, you, you always get that in the epic poems where someone will be like, this person daughter of this person, daughter of this person, you know, and it, it goes on and on and on. So I thought it would be interesting instead of like going backwards to do a genealogical history of someone who would be the daughter of Ron, but, or not mm-hmm. geo- genealogical history, but sort of like a genealogical moving forward on the tree. And mm-hmm. uh, in the story, there is a, a young king, Yorslia, and he, um, he is of age. Uh, he lost his parents at a very young age and uh, was raised by the Valkyrie. Um, and uh, oh, wow, that is a great image. That's an amazing image. It's really fun. So the Valkyrie in this are essentially just shield maidens. They just like exist. Um, and the name Brunhilde is actually uh, I made it a title as opposed to a person's okay. name. Yeah. yeah. So when you become the the queen of the Valkyrie, essentially you become Brunhilde. Right. And so- I, I have to jump in with that. The Dawn will understand why we're doing a similar thing with our matriarchal action world, where when you take on a title of a goddess, like whether you are Inanna or whether you are Freya, it's a title. Like Freya's are is a title of a woman who is part of the warrior realm in our universe that we're creating. Yes, Inanna is the title of any woman who takes charge of the dark realm. The Red Queen, who is Dawn, is the woman who's in charge of the Wonderland Initiation Realm. (gasps) That is Dawn. Dawn. (laughs) Yeah, she's very much. uh, I'll have to send you a picture of Dawn as the Red Queen. (gasps) Please do. Very, very dead on. So I'm sorry, you were going on about the Brunhild and the Valkyrie. I just want to say Dawn is my Red Queen. Aw, thank She's you. Everybody's red queen, so. True story. True story. Yeah. I'm your red queen and your red queen and <laughs> your red queen. Yeah, um, <laughs> related to that, I want to bring up the idea that um, there is, uh, there is a, a scholar of um, Christian literature, like the, the early Christian literature and the time of of Jesus, um, whose name, of course, is escaping me at the moment. But um, one of the things that that struck me about the first book that I read um, about uh, her her analysis of the Dead Sea Scrolls. Oh, are you thinking of Elaine Pagels? I was just going to no, say no. Elaine Pagels. I no, love Elaine Pagels. Her name is Barbara. Um, oh, okay. oh, oh, oh. Um, oh, I'll think of it. Yeah. A blank in her last name, but. Um, she suggested that there were so many Marys in the New Testament, in the you know, in the Gospels, because Mary was a title. Not yeah. A name. So I thought that was really fascinating. Yeah, I've heard that, and it does actually make a certain amount of sense. Like you become the matriarch of your your tribe, essentially, and then you become Mary or Miriam, you know, as it would have been. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So. 
Um, so the Brunhild idea is, uh, you know, has some, has some weight to it. Yeah. I, it just, it makes perfect sense. And I know that I personally, like, I have a deep seated love of Brunhilde because she's just, she takes no shit, you know, <laughs> like even after, um, Oh, I'm, why do I keep blanking on names? My memory has gotten so bad during the pandemic. Uh, the dude who like, when she's in her Odin sleep, he like comes and they fall in love and then he leaves and his memory is lost. And then he like goes, sorry, Siegfried. Thank you. Siegfried. When he, you know, uh, he like brings her back and is like, I'm bringing you back to marry my brother-in-law. And she's like, but we had like a thing. He's like, I don't know you. And she's like, okay, fine. You're going to do this. Cool. And she straight up murders all of them. (laughs) (laughs) Like Brunhilde doesn't put up with shit. she looks like she's going along with it she looks like she's going along with the patriarchy she's like oh you're gonna steal me cool yeah no i'll totally get on your horse all right let's do this oh don't fall asleep (laughs) what's that in my backpack nothing nothing (laughs) nothing (laughs) i I love it um, the name of your collection of short stories is it's called telling it to the moon fairy tales and fantastical journeys by l stephanie tate by l stephanie tate (laughs) so check it out check it out lots of stories of of goddesses and male goddesses (laughs) no male goddesses they're fine they they can do their own thing no room they've got got plenty of stories already yeah Yeah, exactly What what else can we know about Ran? There's something interesting that at least I came across. Not the nine daughters. What was that about? So she and Ajir had um, nine daughters who were essentially the spirit of waves. And so when things would get crazy out in the sea, you would be like, oh, Ron and her nine daughters, they're being naughty again. They're just taking over. So were the nine daughters also involved in nabbing sailors and all other sorts of destruction i think they were just like agents of chaos um and there may be somebody who can uh who can clarify on that but everything that i've seen is that they're just like yeah chaos agents it's fascinating because again it's one of those numbers that come up because our i believe it's the nine muses right yeah so so you have the nine muses and the nine daughters of the sea so i think that's really interesting you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, I remembered the name of the other Norn because I, I couldn't remember the name of the third Norn that's Mm -hmm. future or not future. That's, um, uh, past is So S K U L D. There you go. Yes. Just wanted to get that out there since we're talking about threes. (laughs) Right. Right. The three Norns, the three fates. Yeah. Nine Nine waves, nine Nine muses. Yeah, well, wins, it's right. Interesting. No, four wins. That's a four. Never mind. Ignore the, me. The, uh, you also get the nine rays on Barsoom, and that's how they create atmosphere in the Barsoom series. Nice. There you go. <laughs> the numbers. Well, I the thing the thing that's interesting too in this pantheon. I've always thought in this pantheon with the goddesses in the Norse is that there there is a harshness to all of them, like oh, yeah. all of the different ones that it's just really, 
except for perhaps Iduna, there's really no soft goddesses in oh, that realm. Yeah, no, it's true. I, I mean, even with the the male goddesses, everyone's just a bunch of dicks. Um, <laughs> and the thing about Iduna is, like, it her portrayal always bothered me as well because she was so infantilized. Yeah. You know, she was always, like, super simple, only cared about her golden apples. And so when all the golden apples are stolen at one point, um, she just, like, she's just, like, a Barbie doll. She's just, like, oh, I don't know what to do. I'm so sad. And just kind of stands around. It makes you wonder where she where that comes from. I wonder right? if, that, if that's a goddess that actually was probably explosive in her original form. Had you to have know, been. Apples that maybe poisoned you or drugged you or whatever yeah. uh, and then suddenly to make her less threatening okay look she's got these apples that kind of freaks guys out let's just make her a little bit simple okay yeah so. yeah or it's just i mean who knows who knows what it is like it's just so insulting and she's one of the only one of the only gods that doesn't have a counterpart well actually mimir doesn't either so I guess you could say that the two of them are kind of the counterparts and that he's the creator of wisdom and she's the creator of, or not creator, but like the, um, the custodian, he's the custodian of knowledge and she's the custodian of longevity and health. Mm-hmm. Maybe. It's, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, but again, she is kind of really the exception to a really yeah. kind well, of, you know, life is harsh up there. So yeah, we create we create gods in our own image, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, so then, where does he doing come in? <laughs> She's just like, oh no, my apples. Maybe it's just kind of like again, just how do you soften that up so people feel there is something to it? But I, I always, yeah, the Norse pantheon, just the fact that there is an end and a death. It's like it's very yes, a harsh sense of existence but it makes the goddesses really interesting to me it makes them really amazing and yeah. one yeah. of the most i think i've said to you john i think they you know their pantheon with the celts have some of the most fearsome and really just fascinating goddesses yeah because they're just there's no let up it's like <laughs> Yeah. Except, except for Aduna, it's like Aduna's the only sort of nice one you can kind of just kind of sit down and just, you know, nothing's going to happen. But the rest of them, you know, you sit down with Freya, it sounds like it's going to be great, but you never know where that's going to go. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you don't know which Freya you're going to get. I'll, yeah. I'll say this about Aduna. I wonder if she is a late addition and may have been, like you were saying, a way of trying to establish uh the sacred feminine as being more nurturing and more mm-hmm. and softer and so they like you said they were like okay we gotta we gotta do something that reinforces this idea as opposed to all of these badass warriors yeah well yeah. i love again i love that sort of the sense that you brought out the philosophically of the sacred feminine as the warrior then sacred males and nurture it's just a really fascinating but again you and you see it with this particular goddess and her male goddess partner, you know, again, mm-hmm. she is the, she, <laughs> just to make you giggle, Dawn, I'm going to keep saying that. <laughs> so. Oh my goodness. <laughs> um, do you want to do uh, the, 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 
what do you call it? The last thought, the final One more thing, yeah. One One more more thing. thing. There we go. Can we hear the, uh, what would be your, in this case, Stephanie, what would be the one more thing that you would like to leave everyone with about Jean or any of even the Norse female pantheon? Hmm. That's a good question. I say that every time. Um, (laughs) Good question. Like, I should think about this before I come on. Um, well, what sticks with you? What would you want to leave with anyone if they said, hey, what's the deal with this Ron lady? Like, you know, I think, again, it's like, you know, look at the the stories about her contextually and, and critically and really, really start to really start to examine what feels truthful about what her actual power is. Is it her being you know, hysterical and murdering a bunch of people? Or is it the fact that she's so powerful that she's isolated from the men that are around her? Mm-hmm. I think that's what I would say. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. How about you, Dawn? What would be your one more thing? Sex and death. Sex, Sex and death. Sex and death. Eros <laughs> and Thanatos. So often related. So often intertwined, right? I'm so that's now going to be the subtitle underneath underneath Norse pagan witch on my forehead. It's just going to say sex and death. Oh, <laughs> uh, I think we're going to have to make a whole line of T-shirts on this whole topic. Oh, you have to! My God, <laughs> it's go. just too good. There you go. Right. Well, on that note, my one more thing is just simply going to be that this is. Uh, just another example of how we need to dig more deeply and explore in more detail the way goddesses are conveyed over time in any pantheon and just how they're developed. So I want to first thank Stephanie for coming back and we'd like to come back more because there's so much to talk about in these, this kind of realm um, and for sharing with us all this stuff on Iran and introducing people. Cause for me, she's a, she's a new goddess. I didn't really know anything about her. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know anything about her. So I love it. Thank you so much for yeah. sharing your wisdom with us. Of course. <laughs> and I want to thank, as always, Don Sam Alden. Thank you for, being the guide for goddesses and male goddesses, Dawn, I think that is. <laughs> and thank you, Sean Marley, for being our man Ephester, as usual. All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening. This has been the 31st Circe Salon, Make Matriarchy Great Again, in praise of the goddess Ran. Thanks for listening. Take care, everyone, and blessed be.